Good morning. It's good to see you again. Not literally, but it's good to be with you. Thank you for joining with us for this morning's service. And we pray you keeping well and safe uh, through these difficult uh, times we're experiencing. My message this morning is based on the scripture to be found in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word, and we pray again this morning that through the help of your Holy Spirit, we'll have ears to hear what the Spirit says to us. We pray that Lord, that which you want to uh, speak to us about this morning shall be something that uh, will uh, grip our hearts and uh, cause us to want to uh, follow you in a more closer way. We pray in Jesus' name and for your glory. Amen. Before I start with my message this morning, I want to read from... Uh, the introduction to the uh, Connect Group uh, session that we are currently undertaking. It says this, Francis Chan says this, God intends to change the world through the local church. The early church in the book of Acts was such a powerful force because the people who were united in the pursuit of God's mission for the church. They structured things around what they understood to be God's greatest desires for the church. They were devoted to prayer, the apostles' teachings, one another, and communion. Then he says this, we need to live in light of the eternity that is coming very soon. As we have been discussing, this means we need to live with hope, and vision for what the church here on earth can be. But it also means living with a sense of urgency. We need to be willing to lay aside anything that hinders us or any sin that could entangle us in our pursuit. God has called each of us to be engaged in what I believe is the greatest purpose we could ever be involved in. It is God's purpose. It is his purpose for our personal lives, but it's far more than that. It is to be involved in what he is doing universally through the church. God is looking for men and women who would be determined to live more than ordinary lives. Lives that are simply focused on getting what we can <clears throat> in the here and now. God's purpose involves not just the natural and the material, but also the spiritual. The gospel is far more than a self-improvement program. God is calling us to see and live our lives in a larger dimension. He's challenging every one of us to align our lives in practical ways with the outworking of his eternal purpose upon the earth. It's a challenge to break free from the norms of ordinary life and to embark on a spiritual journey. 
which is the greatest undertaking we could ever be involved in. That is the pursuit of his purpose. For this reason, the Bible tells us we must be born again. We must be born of the Holy Spirit. We must be, as the Word of God tells us, transformed by the renewing of our minds. God intends our coming together in whatever form to always be an opportunity for us to be touched by his presence and his glory for the purpose of promoting his purposes on the earth. That doesn't mean that as we are even meeting in this way, that that can't be our experience. To be touched by the presence of God will mean that I will leave the house of God captivated by and committed to seeing the purposes of God outworked in my life and the life of the church. My prayer this morning is that although at the end of this time of fellowship, we will not be literally leaving a physical meeting together, we will have still felt his presence and be committed to the outworking of God's purposes in our lives. On four occasions, I'm sorry, on four accounts in the Bible, talk about two occasions, two dramatic incidents in the life of Jesus. They are to be found in John chapter 2, verse 13, Matthew chapter 22 and verse 13, Mark chapter 11 and verse 17, and Luke chapter 19 and 46. Jesus went to the temple regularly, but on these occasions it was to be different. Now John chapter 2 records one uh, time when Jesus went to the temple and did a similar thing to what he did uh, and that's recorded in Matthew chapter 22, Mark chapter 11, and Luke chapter 19. I'll just read the account from Luke chapter 19. First of all, it says, Then Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out the, t the people selling animals for sacrifices. He said to them, The scriptures declare, My temple will be a house of prayer, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. Now, in John chapter 2, and verse 13, it, it took place just after Jesus had uh, actually performed the first miracle, the miracle of turning water into wine. There he went into the temple with his parents and his, uh, his family, and he uh, performed uh, what we're going to be talking about. In some Bibles, there are headings over some of these events, and one such heading says this, With concern for his father's house, Jesus cleansed the temple. Now, it, in all these events, uh, for many people, it would seem out of character for Jesus. But Jesus is disturbed by what he observed. The temple, which was supposed to be a place of worship, was teeming with people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, or as the me Message Bible puts it, the loan sharks were there also in full strength. And suddenly, 
Jesus makes a whip out of strips. It's in the first recording in, in the Gospel of John. Makes a whip out of, out of strips of leather and drives them out of the temple. Upsetting tables and spilling coins left and right, stampeding the animals. It is said, with concern for his father's house, Jesus cleansed the temple. So we, we may ask, why did he do that? Well, he saw worldly business being brought into the, into the place. And poor people, needy people being financially manipulated. What do you mean by that? Well, you see, when people came to the temple, they, they wanted to... Uh, make sacrifices. And so there were those there selling the animals, selling the birds and things that people uh, could uh, offer as sacrifices. And uh, they, they were being uh, actually taken advantage of because uh, they were there and uh, they had to buy the sacrifice. And so the, the actually, it, uh, as we've already mentioned, the Message Bible, the loan sharks were there. Uh, taken advantage of their desire to offer a sacrifice. Jesus knew his heart's desire was the that his father's heart was the opposite. Jesus knew that the only business that should be properly conducted was God's business. The temple was to be a place for the spiritual, where through worship and the reading of the word, they were to be anointed and equipped so that they could go outside and minister to the needy world. Now, from the Old Testament, we see that the temple was where God's presence and glory should be free to fall, uncluttered and unhindered by worldly pursuits. And that ought to remind us that God's house is more than just a building. It is not necessarily a building, but God's house is the place where his presence dwells. Jesus was challenged by the religious when he cleaned out the temple. What was happening was went beyond the natural eye as Jesus began to talk about how his own body was going to be destroyed and raised to life. Jesus was focusing ahead, looking beyond what he could see at the moment. He knew that his father wanted a house where people couldn't do just what they wanted to do any more than Moses could do when the glory fell in that old temple. He knew that God wants to be able to dwell in a house of his own cleansed people. But his glory can fall at any time, and that will overflow to touch the nation. Looking ahead, it began on, on Pentecost Sunday. And the book of Acts remains a template for us today. But we, the house of God, must ensure that we are a clean temple, to be effective with an unhindered ongoing flow of the anointing of the presence of God. Father's house was always intended to be a place where his presence would be felt and his glory known to fall. In the time of Moses, it was the tabernacle which was filled with glory at its dedication. Exodus chapter 40 and verse 34 says, Then the cloud covered the temple and the glory of the Lord filled the temple or filled the tabernacle. Jesus could no longer enter the tabernacle because the cloud had settled over it and the glory of the Lord the tabernacle. And again, in Solomon's day, it was the temple which was likewise filled with glory at its dedication. It says, when 
Solomon finished praying, fire flashed down in heaven from heaven and burned up the burnt offerings and sacrifices. And the glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple. The priests could not enter the temple of the Lord because the glorious presence of the Lord filled it. In the days of the Gospels, in a sense, the Father's house came down and near in the presence of Jesus himself. It says John chapter 1, And the Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And for us today, since Pentecost, the Father's house is the church or the household of God. That is now represented everywhere in local churches. And Transformation Church is now a house for the presence of God to dwell in. As is every Bible-believing local church. If people will let it. It is such because it is the gathering of individuals that the people that the Bible tells us are temples of the Holy Spirit. It is to be a place of worship where God's glory will be seen and known. God is calling us to be an effective apostolic people and a church that is demonstrating God's glory and releasing his anointing. A church committed to missions and releasing ministries. God desires to dwell in a house of redeemed, cleansed people where his glory can fall at any time and will overflow to touch it our nation and the nations. And so we individually and as the house of God, I believe must strive to become a clean temple so that our ministry is effective with an unhindered flow of the anointing from the presence of God. And so the challenge is, challenge is this. Come back to the heading of my message this morning. Is there any clutter? in the house, in our personal house or collectively in the church? Is there anything that we need to be willing for Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit to clean out? I believe it's God's time for us to move forward, focusing on looking beyond what we can see now and so it is time to declutter our lives in order that the anointing of God can flow steadily from our church to a needy world around and about us. It will be challenging. But praise God, his will and purpose is never boring. And the rewards will go way beyond this life. From a human perspective, it can be risky. But to follow God is always to live a life of faith. And a life of faith is always one of risk-taking. So let's look again at our opening text. I'm going to add some wording to emphasize the points being made by the writer. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight. 
Another translation says, throw off everything that hinders. Strip off every weight that slows us down. And sin, which clings so closely, or that so easily entangles, so easily ensnares, so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance, or with perseverance, the race that is set before us, looking to fixing our eyes on Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Praise him. The language is very challenging. It's not saying try this or try that. It's saying throw off, strip off everything that hinders, everything that slows us down. Lay aside. And have those things that entangle us, that ensnares us, that easily trips us up. We have to do it with endurance and with perseverance. We are to get rid of the junk, get rid of everything that is impeding us or hindering us in our walk with the Lord. All the junk that impedes or gets in the way of our spiritual growth. All the distractions that turn our eyes away from Jesus. All the activities that claim our time and keep us busy and take priority over God. I'm sure you'll agree we all have our junk. We all have our clutter to remove. And we could spend days talking about all the things that take our eyes off Jesus. I want to just focus on one or two things. I want to first of all focus on something which is a fairly modern problem, relatively modern problem. I want to suggest that one of the most important things we need to declutter is our social media spiritual inbox. Now every day, my Facebook page suggests a new prophetic ministry that I may be interested in. Obviously, Facebook monitors what I look at on the internet. And then they say, oh, he might be interested in this. And he might be interested in that. But every day, it suggests new prophetic ministries that I may be interested in. And I have to admit, when I take a quick look and glance at them, uh, much of it is spiritual junk mail. And very often, Although it's claimed to be prophetic, it is the imaginary ideas of freelance prophetic ministries that are untied from spiritual authority in the context of the local church. I want to talk about what the Bible talks about as Gnostics. We need to be aware of modern day Gnostics parading as prophetic voices. Their language sounds spiritual and authoritative, but in reality they are blind leading the blind. They can use words like the apostolic and the prophetic, but when you look closely, despite their words, they focus not on making disciples of Christ, but 
basically on increasing the expense and the wealth of the ministry. Now, who are these Gnostics? Okay, in the early church, there are those, those who claimed that they were receiving special revelation and began to draw people to themselves. These were the Gnostics. It was not necessary to follow what the, the apostles were teaching, but now they were receiving special revelation. So come and listen to us. Don't listen to the apostles. In the book of Revelation, they are also referred to as Nicolaitans. Now, I agree it's tempting to want to know the future, tempting to seek knowledge wherever you can. Of course, we are encouraged by the word to grow and mature in the things of God, and this requires seeking and pressing into God as best we can. But running to and fro to this ministry and that ministry can lead to deception. Not only deception, but to confusion and ultimately instability. And can lead to what the Apostle Paul described in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 7. Always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. And it's maybe relevant to recognize that in its context, that is talking about those who fall prey to smooth talkers with special revelation. So let us ask God for discernment today. Discernment regarding what spiritual food we digest from the internet. Let us declutter our social media spiritual inbox. I believe God wants us to grow in our ability to hear from God for ourselves. And to be able to discern what God's will is for our lives. And then to find affirmation and confirmation of that in what I would call the haven of a local church. A local church that places emphasis on discipleship. And is based on the leadership of God-given spiritual giftings to the church. And when we do this, I believe we will experience what we read in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 to 14. And he gives the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we obtain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Why? so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. My brothers and sisters, be careful who you are listening to on the internet. Having maybe dealt with that issue, I want to address something practical which plagues our lives almost on a day-to-day -day basis and which we allow to so easily dominate our lives and which hinders our walk in God's purposes. And that is the, the subject of busyness. Now maybe uh, right now, <laughs> busyness is not 
as much of a problem because of COVID. Uh, COVID is forcing us maybe now to sort out some uh, things in our, in our day-to-day -day lives. But I'm sure once it is over, we will return to our old habits. Lives filled with so many things, it leaves little room for God and his purposes. Often because we have lost the ability to say no. And that may be especially so if you're parents today. I encourage you not to let the internet, video games and the phone rule your life. We need to cut away this clutter if we are to not only grow and mature spiritually into the disciple God wants us to be, but in order to accomplish God's purposes for ourselves and the church. Now, no one pretends that this is easy. It is not easy. But I believe if we are desiring to fulfill God's will and purpose in our lives, it is necessary. It is not easy, but it is necessary. Now, to use a gardening metaphor, there may be a lot of hacking and whacking that needs to take place. And there may be some deep roots that have to be dug up and pulled. And this will take time, but the time will be well spent. And it will involve setting priorities. It will involve committing to those priorities. And it will involve carrying through on those priorities. To live the Christian life as God purposes requires us to cut away anything that hinders our relationship with God. And to live effectively, we must cut away the brush of sin, temptation, distraction, and any other thing, any other busyness, so that we can remain fixed upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Our task is to identify those areas of our lives, which, again, using an agricultural term, it's our task to identify the areas of our lives which are fallow ground. Fallow ground is ground which has been unused, ground that is barren, ground that is unproductive. To identify those things and the weeds and the thorns we have allowed to grow. We need to acknowledge that it is clutter. And then, with the help of God, get rid of it. The Word of God in Timothy chapter 4, 1 Timothy chapter 4, uh, Paul talks about uh, training ourselves to be godly. Talking to Timothy, his advice to Timothy was, was this. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 8. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better. Promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. Then in chapter th verse 13, he, he, he says this. Until I get there, focus on reading the scriptures to the church, encouraging the believers and teaching them. Verse 14, do not neglect the spiritual gift you received 
through the prophecies spoken over you when the elders of the church laid their hands on you. Give you complete attention to these matters. Throw yourself into your task so that everyone will see your progress. Keep a close watch on how you live and on your teaching. Keeping in the agricultural analogy theme, we are called to cultivate our souls. In the natural, the first step is the preparing of the soil. We need to turn over the ground, add fertilizer, etc., and prepare the soil for planting. In Jeremiah chapter 4, verse 3, we read this. For thus says the Lord to the men of Judah and Jerusalem, Break up your fallow ground, and sow not among thorns. Another translation says, This is what the Lord says to the people of Judah and Jerusalem. Plow up the hard ground of your hearts. Do not waste your good seed among thorns. In Hosea chapter 10 and verse 12, it says, Plant the good seeds of righteousness, and you will harvest the crop of love. Plow up the hard ground of your hearts. For now is the time to seek the Lord, that he may come and show righteousness upon you. So this speaks to us that we too need to turn over our life. We need to get rid of anything that is going to hinder the growth of the good seed. We need to <clears throat> live, fine-tune our thinking and, and, and living so we create the best possible environment in which to grow and thrive as disciples of Jesus Christ. But as we often remind ourselves, we must have our minds transformed by the Holy Spirit. Preparing the soul requires giving our whole life over to God so that he can we can be formed into his image. It's important that we engage in activities that encourage our lives to be better formed spiritually. The Apostle Paul always points us in the direction of the Lord Jesus Christ and frequently tells us to have nothing to do with things that aren't of God. He talks to us about staying away from false stories that dress themselves up as religious truth. And he encourages us to cultivate our souls on a daily basis so that we can grow a disciplined and focused life. I'm going to read five scriptures, and there's a common phrase in each of these scriptures, which simply says, have nothing to do with. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 5 it says, Put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshipping the things of the world. Have nothing to do. In Ephesians chapter 5, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness. 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 7, have nothing to do with irreverent silly myths, rather train yourself for godliness. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 23, have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies, you know that they breed quarrels. 
Finally, in Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1. Remark, it says this, in the last days there will be last, uh, uh, there will be terrible times in the last days that have nothing to do with the things of this world. We must expect to experience God for ourselves so that we grow in a productive spiritual. I want to stress that this, this morning. We must expect. Each of us must expect to experience God for ourselves. Why? Because that is what God has promised. God wants us to experience him for ourselves so that we grow and are productive spiritually. God wants genuine hearts with a desire to enter into his presence and to grow in his love and in his grace. Now as a church and as a congregation, as a body, as individuals, let us be committed to remove any clutter that is hindering us from experiencing the real presence and glory of God amongst us and in our lives. As a leadership, our aim is always to be sensitive to anything that may be a hindrance to the move of God amongst us as a church fellowship. In many ways, the way forward may be into unknown territory. But like when Joshua led the children of Israel into the promised land, although in a sense it was unknown territory, it was God's promised land. God's challenge to Joshua still holds for you and me today as we seek to claim the promised land that God has promised for us as the church. God spoke to Joshua and says this, Be strong and have good courage. Do not be afraid or dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And so, as Joshua faced the challenge of leading the children of Israel into the promised land, his faith was in God's word and not in the limitation of human reasoning. You'll recall that they had, the spies had gone into the land and they came back, some with a positive uh, uh, observation, some with negative uh, observations. But Joshua's faith was in God's word rather than in the limitation of human reasoning. God was able to use him to take ground held by the enemy in order that the Israelites could claim their inheritance. Another thing to note here is that Joshua was willing to let go of the Moses years, as it were, so he could possess new ground. And though he was around 80 years of age when he took over leadership from Moses, he was used by God to unite a younger generation to take ground prophetically promised to their fathers. Let us embrace this amazing faith risk journey this morning of following Christ and fulfilling his vision, his great vision. May we all dare to say, I believe we can achieve it. We can achieve whatever God wants us to. But not only that, but let's have the courage to face up to those things that would hinder us, to get rid of any clutter in our lives and have confidence to move forward and lay hold of God's best in his service. Now I've shared these thoughts with you 
this morning because I believe we are entering a season and a time of our fellowship, a transportation church when God wants to release amongst us a restoration of the spiritual ministries upon which our church fathers <laughs> built. Our apostolic church fathers had a vision of belting the globe with the gospel and the presence of God. Building a house was to be a house built on the foundation of apostles and prophets with Jesus as the chief cornerstone. Our mission today is to build on that and the biblical foundation and ensure the house of God overflows with his glory as we reach out to belt the world with the gospel. And I believe it is time to expect an apostolic and prophetic release amongst us as we all stand on the foundations established by Jesus and that our apostolic church fathers built on last century. God wants us to wants us to make for all people a transformation church, a place of worship where his glory will be known. To build a platform in transformation church from which the fivefold ministries can be released. The highest thing that God is calling us to be is to be effect is to effectively be an apostolic church that is demonstrating God's glory and releasing his anointing and to be one that is into missions and releasing ministries. This can only be done by men and women with the same passion as God for people ministering from free, from uncluttered hearts and minds. I believe it is God's time for us to move ahead, focusing on looking beyond what we can see now. And so it is indeed a time to declutter our temple in order that the anointing of God can flow steadily from our church to a needy world. And I'm praying that young people, especially this morning, who are listening to me today, will be gripped with this vision and will commit to do whatever it is necessary to be involved. That doesn't preclude anybody else. But I want to challenge young people especially. And as a leadership, we are here to encourage and support you and to provide the necessary training and resources to help you become equipped for this purpose. It can be risky, but to follow God is always to live a life of faith. And a life of faith is always one of risk-taking. May the Lord bless his word to our hearts. Amen.